1: Hello and welcome to the Bees Tactical Podcast, where we try to get under the bonnet of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anson, your host for today, and for this special preview episode of Blackburn v Brentford, I'm delighted to be joined by someone I'm a big fan of, and probably the busiest man in sports analytics media, Andy Watson. Andy, how are we? And thank you for joining us.
2: I'm busy. Thanks for for that introduction. I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned this before, but do you do bonnet on purpose, seeing as you're a Bees? Bees, bees bonnet.
1: bonnet, no, but um, no. thanks for highlighting that. It's not. We'll, we'll claim to have, so we won't tell anyone about.
2: Yeah, it. I thought it was some kind of clever word game that you were playing, <laughs> early guys. No, no. I'm
1: not no, sure. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm
2: not sure I'm ready for the puns. If that's what... oh, mind you, you've had puns quite a lot on this tactical before. I was. Uh, I remember listening to. Was it Luton Town? <laughs> uh, Pun Central. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, I don't know Luton Town's terms. Good puns and bad
1: that. analytics. I think it was. It was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what we're and here I should for. Should
2: have written some down in preparation.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, anyone who isn't aware of you, Andy, um, you're quite prominent online, especially on Twitter and like various um, facets to to what you do. Um, do you want to give the listeners a brief intro into some of these uh, these great things, these ventures?
2: Yeah, okay. Um, I'm a, I am suppose, first and foremost, I'm a player analyst at Five Yards, um, which, for those who aren't aware of Five Yards, is a transfer market for fans, really. It's a new company that launched in October of uh, 2020. Um, we're trying to still grow, um, but you can check it out on fiveyards.co.uk. You can follow it at, at five underscore yards. And basically, there's about seven or 800 players on there at the moment um, across all of uh, the world of football. And the idea is that if you think that you've got a good eye for a player, you can go on the platform and you can scout players. You can just rate players. You can do full-on massive scout reports, which, you know, gets seen by a lot of people, everybody on the platform, including us as a scouting team and also the management of Five Yards. And I've got a few people uh, who have written scout reports who we've got in the back of our minds um, for promotion. And you get, and if the good ones, we can promote them on Twitter as well, which is always a good thing. Um, but if you want to commit some financial... Um, might to your opinions, then you can do that as well. You can actually buy players on the platform and put them into your squad and if they actually do better than what we think they'll do as scouts then um, you'll be quids in because you can buy them at a low price, especially for young players Um, if you've spotted someone who you think is going to make it at the very top of the game um, buy them when they're young and they accrue something called performance pay, which they get for every goal, assist, and uh, win that they start in, and throughout the whole of the career. So, for instance, the the top uh, rated player on there is Kylian Mbappe, of course, whose uh, whose price is over 200 million. And that's not to say that you have to invest 200 million. Um, it's not like that. It's it's 10 pounds for every million. <laughs> so you still have to you still have to pay out a fair whack to be able to buy the the full amount of Kylian Mbappe. But you can just buy 1% of players. You can you can just have a little taste of Mbappe, a little bit of Haaland, a little bit of Lautaro Martinez, or whoever takes your fancy as, a, as someone who's picking out players. You can even request players to go on the platform. Um, and that could be youth players from uh, your club or someone from Brentford B um, that you think is going to make it. And, you know, obviously we're on a, a B's podcast here. So there's a good chance of you guys going up this year if you, have someone like uh Vitali for instance, who not that many people will know about in the wider uh, realm. That was someone who actually Natalie Sawyer requested that we put on the platform and we did that for her. So we gave her a rating and gave him a rating, sorry. And um and I think he's maybe slightly outperforming that at the moment. He scored a obviously scored a very good goal recently. And that's not something that we necessarily thought was a massive part of his game. So he's he's got performance pay there there 'cause championship does earn performance pay but premier league earns a hell of a lot more so if you can get players who are going to make it in the premier league and definitely the champions league then then that's where you need to be looking um so that's fine sorry i've just dominated the entirety of the introduction with yeah Lander, that's it so. now
1: we've, we've done we've used our whole time um thanks for joining us andy we thanks for
2: joining it. us and uh, yeah
1: <laughs> no it's brilliant yeah it's really um, really sort of in-depth uh uh, in-depth description of five yards so i think it's great for me as well i've um i've gone onto it logged on but haven't really had the time to sort of explore so um yeah that's really helpful and those um those uh keen brentford eyes will know that Vitaly out is pretty much an attacking midfielder just hiding as a defensive midfielder so there's a bit of money to be made on these um on these uh these scouts uh Picking and valuing these players, but um, we'll keep that under wraps. We won't go too much more. So, the other bits you do are Rovers Chat, that's um, another big part of what you're um sort of been involved in. Um, do you want to explore that a little bit?
2: Yeah, that's kind of how I got started, really. I we it was it was the season after we got promoted back into the championship, so that summer over um, 2018, um, I decided to join, join Rovers Chat. They they put a tweet out asking for people to uh help write stuff so i did that and my first ever piece was on tony mowbray and his and what he looked like he was going to do with the championship for us and then the year after that i started doing uh, recordings called the stat show the first ever one was in uh, june 2019 it was on bradley Dack, and we've done 57 now and they've got bigger and better and we've had great uh, guests on as well um and hopefully that's just going to continue on. I'm not doing them as regularly now, obviously, with with other stuff going on. But um, it's been a really good. That was where I started, like doing all of this stuff to do with analytics. And um, I think you know that gained momentum. And I would recommend anybody who's even who listens to this, um, if you are thinking about getting involved in it, then then do so. And if you are getting involved in football analytics, I should also mention my pinned tweet um, at Andy Watson Sport is um, kind of a. A guide of how to get into football analytics on Twitter, and it's there's 25 tweets in the in the thread. I think Bees Tactical might be mentioned in it actually somewhere along the line. Um, Bee's Analytica is uh, mentioned in it, but that's just a really good way of getting to know the the Twitter sphere really around it. And everyone's really really helpful I've found anyway. I don't know if you found that as well, David. I think if you if you need any help with anything data wise, and there's, there's plenty of guys out there who will help you with it as well
1: yeah absolutely couldn't second that more everyone's really friendly um just be inquisitive ask and there's lots of help um coding help um Tableau help visualization help data access help yeah. um there's just so much out there, so yeah, don't ever think of something like that as a barrier just um just put yourself out there and just ask for stuff basically you don't ask you don't get, and then um those who've got tend to have asked at some stage, so uh <laughs> don't be shy and um, yeah uh, yeah there's plenty of there's plenty of um, knowledge out there and lots of it to be shared as well. Um, but that's all the public stuff. I mean, the the real stuff just uh, keeps that stays behind. Until, <laughs> that stays behind the locking key. Yeah, won't get I mean, that.
2: you have to you have to almost seem to pass a public audition <laughs> to be able to get in behind the curtain, as it were. Yeah, and uh, but you've I mean, we've seen a lot of of our contemporaries, David, have got roles in professional. In, exactly. the, in the clubs yeah, yeah. um in, in in organizations it doesn't even always have to be football there's plenty of room for maneuver in other sports as well mm-hmm. so it's definitely a growth area and more and more doors are just going to start opening as people realize that um this is the way forward and, mm-hmm. and i certainly think that data and analysis and all that sort of stuff does give a little bit of an extra percentage and quite good value for money if you can spend it wisely so the more that that trend continues the more opportunities will there will be hopefully for 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 people
1: yeah wonderful yeah what a great introduction okay um yeah i feel like i know you even more now andy after that as well the listeners definitely will do um
2: that's yeah we didn't even mention the tennis did we no no there's we'll tennis go. as
1: well yeah we might um yeah. we might have a little separate chat for that in a bit but um yeah there's tennis as well for you guys listening um hopefully we'll explore that a bit too but um i reckon we just go and chat rovers let's get straight into it
2: yeah let's get to the rovers brentford
1: let's do it OK, so you sit 14th in the league, currently at time of recording on 44 points, um, joint with Preston and Luton, a little gap between you and Forrest. Um, just looking at your month, like February was a brutal month for you. January wasn't much better. March has started off a little brighter. Um, what, what's gone on with Rovers, like from a macro level, I guess, maybe since the start of the year? Um, how, what's your assessment?
2: so i mean i I kind of saw this coming eighteen months ago that the summer was it was deemed to be a really massive this is the summer twenty twenty was deemed to be a massive summer of recruitment for tony mowbray um And we came out of it, obviously, you know, the shortened pre-season, the shortened window, put lots more pressure on recruitment because we were missing some really key positions. Um, It was deemed that he'd done a good job bringing in Daniel Ayala at Central Defence, which was a massive hole that we needed to fill, bringing in Thomas Kaminski from Belgium, which, um, you know, we didn't have a goalkeeper. We had Christian Walton last year, who was our only goalkeeper, really. He was on loan. So... Those two were the biggest holes to fill, and he did that. Um, we had a hole at left back as well. We didn't, uh, didn't think that Amari Bell was really good enough, so we brought in Barry Douglas. And again, that's common sense recruitment. He's, he's filled in spaces that really did need to be filled. And we also brought in the likes of Tom Tribal. Obviously, Harvey Elliott was a surprising one late on in the, win- in the summer window. And... So it was deemed to be quite a successful window. And then the way that we started um, with an impressive performance against Bournemouth, if not the result, we lost 3-2 on opening day, but looked good. Um, And then we had some fantastic results. Wickham was next and we won that one uh, very comfortably, but um, against 10 men of Wickham. And then we we also put four past Derby. We put uh, four past Luton, all within the first six games of the season. And at that point, our performance data, our, you know, results on the pitch the the feeling in the fan base was all exceptionally positive and i remember i did a stat show at this point or just after this point with jay sosick who is blades analytic on twitter i'm sure a lot of your listeners will be familiar with jay um he's just been appointed actually as um as uh, head of recruitment analytics at luton so that's what, what refers to what we were talking about earlier um but he was saying how Blackburn, were one of the better teams in the league. He'd be very surprised if we didn't finish in the playoffs. Our The way that we construct our attacks is good. Um, You know, could do better slightly organisationally, but it was all pointing towards a potential playoff push, which is what Tony Mowbray said in the summer, is what we were aiming for, was to get into the playoffs. So that's where the expectation is set, and it was confirmed early in the season. And even though I think... Um, in October, we were still only in mid-table. It was only seemingly a matter of time before we rolls through. And, and those performances became better results. And that just hasn't happened. Um, it's been very much up and down. It's been, like you say, one month fantastic, the next month poor. And it's been a real zigzag through the season, culminating in six losses in a row, uh, no winning seven through February. And then, thankfully, we did we did pick up a victory Um and then we got the draw last night. We we're recording this on the Wednesday. We, we played last night against Swansea and and drew one-one with them, which really, looking at the performance, should have been a victory as well. So Mowbray's under massive pressure now. I think there's polls out every day on Twitter. Mowbray in or out? Um, it was, you know, about sixty percent out, I think, um, before the last couple of games. But um, it seems to have turned it turned itself around um, in terms of results. Um, but we'll we'll maybe delve into performances a little bit more. I'm not a massive believer in just results. I think performances, uh, the trend of the performances needs to be taken into account. So, um, yeah, 14th at the moment. Not really concerned about dropping into a relegation battle. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but at the same time, we're too far away from the playoffs now. So it looks like for the third year in a row, um, we are going to be one of the first teams to know exactly where they're going to be playing next season.
1: Yeah, that's always a, it's always a difficult feeling because you don't feel like you sort of yeah that's silly on the beach saying you feel like you're done before the season should be done you've not you've not really achieved anything sort of looking upwards looking down isn't really your spot and I'll, I'll probably come into that in a little bit like sort of these mini leagues within leagues but just want to touch on Mowbray a little bit before we get deeper into this um it's been there a while now. Um, is it three years, four years? We're about that. Four years. Yeah, it's four, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's been there a while. Uh, like, like vastly experienced manager. Um, I don't know, my my opinion of it from uh, sort of the outside look is it, it probably has gone a little bit stale there, but it depends what you sort of want out of his role. And is he just a facilitator just to stabilize or is he going to be the one to push you on to the next level? What do, what, how, you, where do you sit on that? Do you think... Um, do you think it has gone stare with Mowbray or there's much more to give?
2: So, yeah, it was four years on February 22nd. And if you go back to the when he got appointed, we just had our Owen Coyle as manager. We were sitting bottom of the championship and he almost got us out of it um, in that season. We didn't. But then we had that season in League One, which really galvanised the support again. He He's a very honest man. He's a family man. Um, I think he suits um, Blackburn Rovers quite quite well because obviously he's northern as well i think um he does suit this kind of a club and that's that season under uh, in League One where we got promoted was really good to get everyone in, in, involved in the club again because it was really, really sour uh, under the ownership, under consecutive managers who didn't seem to care under players who didn't seem to care and we brought in Bradley Dack and Adam Armstrong and uh, Richie Smallwood who was brilliant in that season and then when we got promoted into the Championship it was all about consolidation and we finished 15th and we played that direct style with Danny Graham and Bradley Dack feeding off him and then we started with that similar sort of style in the next season and then lockdown came and we came back from lockdown and we played Bristol City at home on the first game after that and we saw this 4-3-3 system which we're going to talk a lot about where we actually played Lewis Holtby in the middle of the three forwards as kind of a false nine position and we won that game 3-1 and that put us 8th or 7th I think um, in the league at that point and this is, and for me this is where the Marbury reign started so although we talked about four years two and a half of those years were him playing the way that it needed to be to get results. When you've got the playing staff of Danny Graham and Bradley Dak, you play to their strengths. And it's only when Graham started to fade and then Bradley Dak got a serious injury against Swansea, um, in 2019 and then when we didn't have those players he needed a new style of play and so this is where he's gone back to his kind of roots that he did at Middlesbrough at West Brom at Celtic at Coventry and um, where he played a, a more flowing sort of game of football with a 4-3-3 and technical players and so that's uh, and we felt very positive about that so for me yes I can understand from the outside looking in, like I said, this is going to be the third season in a row where um, we're going to know exactly where we're we're going to be playing next season very early on. And that's disappointing, but I don't feel like it's gone stale. I think there's been, I mean, under the conditions that we're living in at the moment, that football's having to be played in, where you're playing a match every three or four days, you're trying to come in 46 games into a shortened season, plus cup competitions. Um, the, the Rovers pitch is absolutely atrocious. Um, it's half sand. And I don't think it's just conducive to the way that we want to play. We've had serious defensive injuries. We've had to play two teenagers in, in defence you know, recently. So there is mitigating circumstances that I would say allows him to have a little bit more time than maybe what most people are saying. But at the same time, results haven't been great and they should be better and I think we are we have a better squad and a better 11 than what you know that position of 14th alongside you know some teams who I think we probably should be above and uh, I think it's going to be a tough game for Brentford if I'm honest on on Friday
1: Yeah that's why we're here we've got um, a game coming uh, almost yeah the the, the final whistle feels like it's just gone on Swansea very recently and you've got to prepare for another game but um, yeah I think I was probably a little bit loaded in saying like gone stale with Mowbray I think it's it's more just um continuous under improvement I think that's the real uh mm. sorry under performance apologies under improvement um it's it's just like this feeling of anyone assessing your squad and looking at the depth you have and then the players you have and then some of the peak talent of some of those players and the system you play um and then watching you and then the quality of some of the performances. Um, just Dak as well, like such a yeah, such a prolific player and quality as well. It's like it's like, where why is this gap between some of your metrics, um, the performances, and then just this unable to win consistently and just coming on the basically the, the wrong side of tight defeats as well? How is that being? Is that being tightened, and that's where I think the questions with Mowbray come up. Is, is are we just is it too comfortable there? Is there not enough sort of just pushing you into just moulding you into a winning team, or is it just too much focus on the style and uh, and and trying to get that um trying to get that right? But um yeah, that, that's just how I approach it, Alec. What what do you think to that?
2: He's a he's a self self-professed performance manager. I think he he's said that a couple of times, which drives the. The Rovers fans crazy because obviously as fans, you want to see winning football. Um, you know, I, I'm not as, you know, keen on that necessarily. I still want to be able to see performances and I want to see improvement in the way that we play. But obviously it's a results business as we as we always hear. Um, I think what you said under improvement when you meant under performance, I think under improvement is probably a perfect way to describe it. It should be improving more than what we are. Um Like you say, I think, from a neutral perspective and from anal- anal- analytics and recruiters um like obviously yourself who's a very smart guy and Jay and a lot of people, whenever blab and rovers leave a transfer mark uh, a transfer window at the moment, people always say what fantastic business they 've done, and yet there's no there 's no discernible um, improvement in results now you mentioned about losing fine margin matches that's six in a row, all of them were by one goal. All of them were very tight on the XG. Some of them, we were better and some of them, the opponents were, but it was all within a very tight margin and any one of the three results would have been possible. What you need to get to is to take out of the margins and to dominate a match in such a way and create enough chances in such a way that those other two results of the draw and especially the defeat are taken out of the question unless there's an act of God or something like that. We all see some strange things happen on a football pitch, but we just haven't been good enough to be able to get to that spot and you mentioned about Bradley Dack and uh, you can throw Adam Armstrong in there and players who seem to be you know, really good for this league but we've, we can't get Adam Armstrong and Bradley Dack into a system and a shape that allows them to both be able to play to their full potential at the same time so Armstrong's been out of the gate for the last two games and guess who's turned up and scored? Bradley Dack Bradley dack has been in and out of the team since he came back from injury because Adam Armstrong's been the main man so it's up to Tony Mowbray. It's not my, it's not my, uh, you know, decisions to try and work a way of getting these guys into the team. But when you've got Harvey Elliott as well and Sam Gallagher and Ben Brereton and Tyree Dolan, all, all to try and fit in Joe Rothwell to try and fit into that attacking area. Lewis Holtby's another one as well. So, you know, you keep rounding off these names and you're thinking, what a fantastic squad, but they don't seem to be able to fit into a shape that is... is 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 Bringing in results or even that great performances
1: yeah that's i think that's the key thing isn't it and it's what i touched upon just looking at the talent depth that you have it's there's this is a resource team and squad sorry um it's a young squad i was just looking at some of the average ages like you're you're the fourth youngest squad in the division um you've got the big standouts like Bar- uh, Barnsley and brentford you're tucked in just uh just above those um energetic um very youthful can play just what what's that gap and why is it that you keep you're continuously finishing mid-table and yeah, I I think um, systems are maybe getting the best out of some of these players consistently and maybe a little bit of um, maybe there is Um, mowbray working towards something that an ideal that he has that he needs to relax a little bit on or just he isn't the right guy and this is going to be a continuous thing but yeah it's um
2: that's the debate that's the debate in the fan base at the moment a lot Mm -hmm. of people saying yes he's a good guy and yes he's done a good job of stabilizing us and and you know he's got this process but he's not ruthless enough or there's not enough um he's he's not the guy to take you into the premier league but i mean. as you know, the biggest thing, the biggest correlation between being able to get out of this league is your wage bill and the amount of money that you spend on that. And if you don't have the financial resource, if you've not been in the Premier League recently, or if you've not got, you know, squillionaire owners, although we actually do, although but that's a, a sore topic. Um, the, you need to either have exceptional financial management. So you're using your resources exceptionally well. And I would say Brentford probably fall into that category. You need exceptional on-field management. Um, maybe Burnley have both of those, which is why they're doing really well at the moment. Or you need to have an enormous amount of luck, like Huddersfield did when they got promoted into the Premier League. So, and possibly a little bit of all three. And maybe, and, and Brentford maybe have fallen down on a couple of those in the last few seasons. Whilst you've been challenging, maybe a bit of luck's not gone your way, or maybe there's been a little bit of on-field management that hasn't quite been as you would like it. But um, that, and Blackburn don't really have any of those. Um, certainly not the look. And, and I would question probably the on-field management as well. Um, so if we do get rid of Mowbray who are you going to bring in that's going to be able to provide that exceptional on-field management, especially if you're not paying them that much as well at the same time. And if you're not going to increase your wage bill, which we you know we're very much on the edge of FFP as it is, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you've got to, so we're trying to rely on A. We're trying to rely on exceptional financial management of bringing these loan players in, only paying a fraction of their wages from the parents' club. We're trying to rely on, you know, analytics and recruitment behind the scenes and all of that coming together and that's a long long process which if you get rid of more bread you throw the the baby out with the bathwater, and then if you're starting again i mean what's the point of the last three years then so it really is a catch it's an impasse um I, could, I, can't, I can't see the owner sucking him. I can't see him leaving either. So we have to carry on this journey and hope that one of those three things, or maybe all three, turn in our favour.
1: Yeah, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous position to be in. I think um, purely because uh, I think I think you can hold on to players too long in teams, and I think you can be tied down for contracts, and they just don't go. Or you, you sort of you, the idea of them is actually greater than their output on the pitch, um, and. I think the same thing can happen with managers as well actually and I think it can get too comfortable and I think the messages not I don't think it's so much the messages can be lost but I think the overall aims of where you're going and what you're aspiring to um, can just hit like a ceiling and it shouldn't there is it might just be that it is another coach that comes in maybe maybe one of the German coaches or something does come in and quite quickly can turn this team from because the core the core element is there they can turn them into a winning machine and it might not be that it takes so long or it needs to be ripped up. It's just that it's this fine-tune, um, fine-tuning that someone comes in and, and can offer the squads. But yeah, don't want to uh, poop on Mowbray too much. I think he's um, he's done a good job and I think it's it's just, it's fine margins, isn't it? You've been really, really close. But just to round yeah. off this, um, this Mowbray bit, I think, uh, just something I'm interested in, I've been thinking about quite recently and... Um, just as Brentford is sort of looking like they might drop away a little bit and probably going to come back and maybe challenge for top two. And it's just this league within leagues in the championship. And I think it's quite important to what you were talking about. Um, and uh, the piece I wrote from, uh, sorry, the piece I read from um, someone on Rovers chat as well, uh, Joe Harvey, he's involved with your, with your Rovers bits. Um, just a really cool recruitment piece. Just looking at just a bit of self-awareness and thinking about where you lie. And I think this just rounds off what we've just been talking about, Rovers underachieving. So I, I think the league is probably split into a top three. You've got like a clear top three. I think it's probably Watford, Brentford and Norwich a little bit more efficient and better than the rest. And I think you've got a, top, a playoff six clubs and then you've just got these these mid-tier teams that don't seem to be able to... They can't challenge for the playoffs. They're not consistent enough. They can't put these winning results together and they're just too good to go down. And I think Rovers to the untrained eye people would put Rovers into that mid-tier group but I, I think you should be a team pushing for that playoff position this is where I think your level is like just looking at the numbers um, looking at your performances um, how much you dominate the opposition and what you're what you're actually putting out on the pitch is it's just that that's where it, if we look at the players they're not a problem you're settled now that's where I'm just wondering is it the manager and then where, where do you see your where do you see your team sitting into those sort of four chunks
2: yeah, I think you're right. And and going back to what I was just saying about, you know, correlation with wage bill and, and different things that you need to have, you know, your top three there, Norwich and Watford, just basically just come down from the Premier League. So wage bill is not a problem for them. They've got parachute payments. Brentford have got exceptional, you know, recruitment and analytics and, and also good manager and good, and good players now. Um, but that's been a, a process built. And then, like I say, the rest, if you take, you know, from that top section of playoff teams. Bournemouth, again, recently in the Premier League. Cardiff, recently in the Premier League. Um, you know, Swansea, recently in the Premier League. And with a good infrastructure behind them, again, you know, I would say probably a good manager in, in Cooper. So um, we sit in that, like I said, that mid-ranking team. But we, like you say, with the quality of players that I think that we have and the depth of the squad that we've had this season, um, we should be in that playoff shout a lot closer than what we are. And it it's all just comes back down to those fine margins within games. It's individual mistakes, especially early on in the season. It's, you know, defensive injuries, Scott Wharton, um Daniel Ayala, which has turned out to be an absolute nightmare. Um Derek Williams, these are three centre backs that, you know, were were numbers two, three and four. And Daryl lenhans practically been defending you know, with teenagers on his own, um, and he's also been culpable early in the season for a lot of individual mistakes, and you can't really legislate that much for that as a manager. Um, I would question maybe a little bit the mindset of some of the players when they go out onto the pitch. You talked about being pushed. Um, I'm not sure there is that kind of pressure that Marbury exerts upon them. He wants them to play well and be relaxed, and sometimes I think they may be too relaxed um, defensively. Um, and almost not relaxed enough in the final third and that brings us to the other point yes we seem to have scored a lot of goals but as I mentioned a lot of those were very early on in the season we actually struggle still to create enough chances to be able to score the goals and you know if you watched the Swansea game last night you'll have seen why we get into decent positions uh, far up in the field but I don't think the forwards have the right instincts to be able to either a get themselves in the right position or b Uh, have the skill to deliver the correct ball at the correct time and the correct pace to be able to um, create the chance. And Bradley Dack's goal was a fantastic little ball through from Tom Tribal, who is obviously very rarely in the edge of the box. He's actually a very deep midfielder. Um, but he was the one to provide that one little bit of quality that uh, was actually lack- is lacking in, in 90% of our play. And and between individual errors and those creative issues, I think that lies at the crux of the reason why Blackburn Rovers are in 14th and we're not um, 8th, 9th, 7th. You know, These are the places that our performance data suggested that we should should be in.
1: yeah you've naturally done the next bit for me you've moved into current form and um, the last couple of games uh, yeah I, I watched uh, the Swansea match I've watched that back this morning and I saw the Millwall match as well and um, <clears throat> it's, it's just really interesting watching you you're that you're easily a match of both of those teams and I think in many phases better than both like clearly better yeah. than both, both of those teams so um, mm-hmm. what what is it within these games I think those are two difficult teams to play against, and I think you are going to look better offensively against Millwall and Swansea because of how they 're set up and that they 've got the three five two systems or three five three four three or they 're obviously not they 're not really a front foot team, and then when they do attack they 're quite low numbers and they 're just a little bit hopeful in attack I'd say. Um, but i 'd say but I think you looked better than both of those teams. Um, the the numbers look strong for you. I think uh, just looking at 538's non shot xg numbers, you're you're just pretty much an attack anyway. You're you're similar um, levels to Brentford. I think just nudged a, just nudged ahead, only behind Bournemouth and Norwich. I think expected goals numbers are pretty strong as well. They look like you look like a sort of top six team again there. Um,
2: was there? so Lord, you, you're giving me nightmares now. You're giving me nightmares <laughs> of predicting this in, in October.
1: Yeah, yeah. You look like um, a strong team, and I think um, just focusing back in on Swansea a little bit because Brentford, uh, the Brentford fan base, is looking at Swansea and. Some of them are thinking, are in awe of Swansea. They, they think they're a really good team. But I think a lot are coming around now to thinking that this is a specific style. It's very defensive. It's very much built to contain and make minimal errors and sort of sit deep and then exploit their own frequent uh, infrequent occasions when they get in the box and basically benefit from penalties, fouls, and just getting a couple of shots off. What, how are you coming into this game? Because Brentford last played Norwich. Uh, quite. It's going to be 10 days, I think, the gap between our last two fixtures. And we looked... We looked out of it against Norwich. It was complete class golf in terms of fitness, um, precision of passing, um, movement, accuracy. It was just a real eye opener to where we really were. Watching you against Millwall and Swansea, I didn't get that feeling at all. I thought you were a highly competent team looking fresh. Like how how do you how do you come out of those two games and? Um, what what are you going to take into Brentford? Have you run out of steam now? Do you think you've used it all up?
2: <laughs> That's a, there's a hopeful little glint in your voice there as you asked if we've <laughs> run out of steam. Um, so we actually for the first, so only for the second time this season, we played the same team in consecutive fixtures. And the as you said, the performance against Millwall and Swansea have both been very coherent, um, very well structured, and you know look more like the team that I think Marbury intended us to be all the way back, if I take it back to that Bristol City match in, after lockdown. Um, and the main reason for that is, it's, it's funny because obviously Adam Armstrong is probably behind Ivan Toney and maybe Kiefer Moore, one of the best forwards in this division. And if he plays in that central role in the 4-3-3, then you're looking for balls in behind or balls down the sides. And, you know...
0: Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Playing
2: him, he will come into feet and he's not bad doing that at all but in the last two games we've played Tyree Stolen there who was thought of as in the fan base as an out and out winger he wouldn't ever play anywhere other than the wing so when the team came out from Millwall Mowbray was getting absolute pelters left right and centre how can he be playing Sam Gallagher and Ben Brereton these forwards as wingers and play this winger in the centre he's absolutely lost his mind but as you as you will have seen in
1: it works perfectly
2: yeah and and and, you know, this, well, I mean, this goes to show what fans know and what managers yeah. know, right? Because he's, he's far more qualified than either of us or, you know, any of us to be able to know his players and play football like he is a fantastic football manager. So Tyree Stolen plays in the centre. and If we keep the same team for Brentford, this is what you've got to watch out for, is that he's almost like a false nine. He he doesn't. He's not there as a massive goal threat. He's not going to be the one to score all the goals, but he's there to... Move around to take the ball into feet. To He's so technically gifted, he's diminutive. If you've never seen Dolan play, he's only about five foot six, five foot seven. But he's got excellent close control, he will harry and hassle your defenders all across the back four. And it allows Gallagher, Brereton, uh, Elliot, if he plays, to be able to move into that central role if they can do, or stay wide and allow Bradley Dack to come through in the center. And that's what happened for the goal against Swansea. And that's also what happened against Millwall, Bradley Dack getting a bit of space on the edge of the box and, and scoring the goal. And and Dolan had a massive hand in both of the Millwall goals. He was the one who had a miscued shot, which set up Sam Gallagher's goal against Millwall as well. Now the problem is, as you know as you said, we've played twice since you've played. So if we continue to try and play the same team we may may run out of steam. But everything's looking very well balanced in that team at the moment. And I would be surprised if there was massive changes. What you've got to watch out for, I think, is Joe Rankin-Costello right back, who's um, a very technically gifted player. He's not actually a fullback. He came through as a midfielder and a wide forward, which speaks to his technical ability. And, you know, you need that. I, mean, I don't know if Canas is still playing out on the left, but if if he's playing there, he needs to be very defensively disciplined and be and track Joe Rankin-Costello because more so than Ryan Nyambi, who's also a very good right back, but Nyambi is more solid defensively and he is quick, but he's not got the quality of Joe Rankin-Costello. So he's someone that would need to be shut down. Um, in terms of Army Field as well, we've got a very nice balance in there at the moment with Tom Tribal coming back into the team and literally sitting in front of the two central defenders. Um, Lenehan and Harwood Bellis who's on loan from Manchester City who's actually been very understatedly good as well um, and then allowing Bradley Dak and um, oh I forgot I knew the other midfielder that we've been playing there is uh, we've had Tribal, Dak and uh, oh, John Buckley How can I forget John Buckley? He's been fantastic in the last couple of games. And he's someone who's been at and Rovers since the age of six. So this is a real success story for the academy. And he's always been doubted by the Rovers fans, thinking he's too lightweight. Um, But he's shown in the last couple of games that he's able to dictate the pace uh, quite nicely in midfield and with his weight of passing. And also he showed a little bit of a turn of acceleration a couple of times against Swansea to get past his man, which is a really good thing to see. So if we do make changes, there won't be of any you won't bring any lesser players in you could change tribal for Johnson you could change uh Buckley for Rothwell you know we've got that squad depth as we've discussed so if they can stay structured in the way that they have been doing then you know Brentford are gonna I think you found it tough didn't you we'll probably touch on it now the the first 25 minutes or so of the of the reverse fixture um hopefully it'll be similar to that
1: well yeah hopefully not too similar um for our for our sakes um yeah some really fascinating points there I think um Something that just stands out to me is Dolan at the moment. Um, just exactly what you were saying—that like you think of him as—and yeah, not to undermine your point, but a false nine because of traditionally where he, because of his size and um, uh, and some of the positions he finds himself. But I think that's more like what you're getting out of a centre forward now. If you're not a central box player, you're you're either moving out to the wings or you're or you're coming deep or you're you're getting involved in earlier build up and still trying to to move around and um, make yourself. Um, make yourself a bit of a nuisance but I the last two games I was just massively impressed by Dolan's sort of back to goal play like his hold up play and the ball coming into him and actually just holding on to it holding off a defender then bringing in other people into play like traditional number nine things so I I was just baffled at how good he was and then um drifting out to that left and uh, that left hand side and getting into the box or getting shots away from that angle similar to how Armstrong would do as well so um Brentford fans probably looking at this Rover squad and thinking Armstrong isn't there and they're much weaker. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick that position and um, stick by it just yet. Yeah. I think this is a strong squad and I think Mowbray has got that attacking system working quite well. There's some good rotations up there, especially with Gallagher, just like the huge physicality he is holding onto the ball and then moving inside as well. So. It's going to be a tough game, and I think Brentford will be very aware. And, uh, yeah, this is probably a good time to talk about the previous match because um, it was a bit of a shock, I think. Um, uh, It started off really... I think it's just one of those games where Brentford... I think you can approach Brentford in two ways. You can... And it was probably a few few ways. But I think the, the main couple we've seen is teams just sort of sitting off and having this... This pressing line of maybe just beyond the halfway line um, and it's probably too deep to really affect brentford it needs to be if you want to affect brentford you have to disrupt them in the earlier build-up phase when they're much deeper um, and then try and make rare make mistakes or put the two left footers we got at the back under pressure or those sorts of things if you sit on the halfway line it's going to be too easy for brentford to just move up the field and then pick you off Blackburn are having none of this um any any of the they're fighting with the second balls any I think you really got in our faces early on and um, Rothwell was one of the really important players I think in those disrupting early phases where he would just receive the ball and just break a couple of lines just move forward with it really quickly and difficult to stop and that's something Brentford hate Brentford don't like players running at them Especially, I don't think any team does really but Brentford particularly just because our 4-3-3 is meant to just block and it's not so much about a, um, a man marking sort of nicking the ball away it's just having a good shape that is impenetrable but if you run through it it sort of nullifies that so Rothwell did that really really well and um, there were a few early signs he got through a couple of times and then for his goal um, it was just yeah pretty pretty special I'm caught up on the right hand side ran through and then Bent one in from the edge of the box, and uh, he, he just looked like it was—it was definitely a tactic. Someone had said to him that this team don't like this, especially on that right-hand side. I think Gallagher had pulled up to the right and pulled Janelt out of the way, and it just left a really big space for him to run into. And we were under the—we were under it. I think um, we got back into the game well, um, but. Without the ten men there, I think we looked pretty. We looked pretty clueless actually. And when you went down to ten men, we got um, we got that uh, second goal to put us in the lead, and then you equalised. Are, are there any big things you remember from that game? Is there is there anything um, that stands out for you? That was.
2: Uh, I thought that was a really big result for us at the time, um, being able to get that late equaliser. Jacob Davenport's first ever goal. Um, and we'd, we'd hung on very well and without, I don't think, I think Brentford would be looked back and think they were very disappointed to, to still on the B2 one at that point. And I know that the manager came in for some criticism for some of his changes that he made almost looking like the game was safe later on. Um, but I, I, it's still very difficult to analyze, isn't it? When it's 10 men against 11 and that incident just before half time. And I'm, I'm not going to argue the decision. I think it was a penalty and, and probably a red card as well. Um but that just completely changed everything because I think, like you say, Rovers were the better side in the first half an hour. And and it's, it was a definite tactic to just go up Brentford with and without the ball, and be direct against them. And Joe Rothwell is the man if you want to do that. He's he's energetic with and without the ball. He's quite big as well. He's over six foot, so he's quite a physical presence. Being able to do that, and the goal he scored was magic. And um, he's not he, Joe Rothwell's is a very frustrating figure for the Rovers fan base because he, he can produce moments like that, and then he can be completely ineffective for a whole half of football, and you don't really know why. And Mowbray ends up taking him off and you're thinking, well, he's the man who can provide you something that he did against Brentford. Why are you doing that? But the reason is because he's, he's too quiet and he doesn't seem to be able to snap out of it when he gets like that. So I will not be surprised to see him start on Friday, um, maybe ahead of Buckley in the central, in that kind of left channel um, that he likes to play in, in in the three midfield. But this is, and this is why Dolan will, I think he will start, even though he's played two ninety minutes, is that that harrying and, and uh, pressing of of Brentford's defenders and defensive midfielders is is going to be key for us, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it will be a big, a big, um, a big part of this game, whether um, your three sort of Brereton, Gallagher and Dolan can, Disrupt Brentford building up. I think if that's if that's the way you go and that's where you approach it and push high, then um, there could be something in there for you. But just focusing still on the reverse fixture, I remember us. Yeah, once we did get the the man advantage, um, just a number of efforts from the edge of the box that weren't. I, I think there was a little bit of complacency that crept into Brentford, and I think they felt that the inevitable third was coming, and that these they they rushed a few situations, and um, <clears throat> maybe not inevitable, but sort of desperation that the third would come, and they kept having these probably shots that should have been worked into better positions. I think the fact that we were down, to, you were down to 10, it is difficult to play against 10 because if you just shrink around the goal, it's, there's always going to be players between the ball and the goal and you're, you're thinking that longer-range efforts might go in. De Silva is obviously dangerous from the edge of the box, but there was a couple of situations where I felt like they shot when they shouldn't have because of the fact they thought, we've got so much time here against 10, we're bound to score and get... And Canos did in the end on the hour a really, really good goal, um, but he was, he was pretty poor before the before you went down to um, 10 men but he got a good goal um, and then it went a bit quiet and and then the substitutions came and it sort of disrupted the whole game and I think it gave you a bit of impetus and you uh, you equalised fairly late on and it looks bad on Frank's point of view but I think he's done everything right that's, that's where I think there's a bit of a disconnect between the fan assessment and then um, a game strategy um, idea. He went through the game and um, he saw you were weak, so he could he could make the changes. You're down to ten men. He took off Rico Henry and brought on uh, um, Dominic Thompson, a weaker left back. But you're expecting to him to not do too much defending against ten, and thus being an attacking team. So yeah, it, it just seemed like um, everything he did went against him, and the the outcome has probably changed people's opinions on those decisions. But um, but yeah, hopefully it's. Um, doesn't go quite as badly this time for him um but yeah you should, so you think um rothwell will make um make an appearance from the starting lineup
2: I think he may do um if everyone's still fit it's going to be very tempting to go with the same team again because of the performances that we've seen over the last two but I envisage there might be maybe two or three changes rothwell Elliot could come in as well um the problem with <laughs> the problem with Elliot is that if you're going to play Dolan then you've got two very small diminutive technical players and I don't know that we've played them once together and that was against Middlesbrough at home and we got absolutely physically dominated um and I I think that's burned his fingers I don't think he'll want to do that again so it's more likely that Harvey Elliott will come in from the bench so it'll either be the same or just one or two minor minor tweaks I think uh, on Friday
1: yeah I guess it's a good time to just maybe move into a bit of shapes and some of the numbers stuff um and this is probably some of the some of the why i'm it's not hot on rovers but just think this is a team that should be doing much better um uh, so you've got pretty identified it's like a four-two-three-one or four-three-three. Three. i think that front three now is quite recognizable with gallagher on the left and brereton on the right and then whoever's fit in the middle um the midfield looks looks pretty solid i think you've got a good base tribal looks really accomplished back there um buckley as well beside him and then it's Dak in front of that just really linking well with the forwards doing his work defensively Um, another good presser out of the ball to link with Dolan it's it's just a strong first team Um, can you see so Brentford I I guess the last few last month or so brentford have really struggled against teams playing with a back three like these three five two or three four three systems because of how those teams are able to press and then have the defensive solidity of the extra wingbacks who can push up and disrupt us or they can sit back and go into a back five quickly and then just really competitive central midfield areas we played against a back four and the norwich system last time out and we just really struggled with a high possession team who just kept the ball better than us and do you think you're going to approach it like that? Try and actually go out like toe to toe, try and dominate the ball, or do you think there'll be a little bit of um, an acceptance of maybe sitting back? How do you how do you think you'll approach this?
2: I'm think we'll try and dominate the ball. Um, dominating the ball on the Ewa park pitch is not necessarily the way forward, just because you can't play through it that particular that well. Um, like you say, I think I think what we'll see on Friday is us pressing you high um, as and when we can, as long as it's there to be able to be done that, and then like you say, you, you struggle sometimes against the back five, we will play back four, and we've only ever played back five against Barnsley, and that didn't work out well for us, um, but Tom Tribal being so deep, we'll, can, we can easily make that into a three, and then the, the two fullbacks play pretty much as backs anyway, Douglas and Rankin Costello or Nyambe, uh, who may come in for him, um, they will play the same way anyway, um, they'll play push high, so um, we want we're perfectly capable. We've got actually quite high percentage possession over the course of the season. I think it's 56% or something like that if you take our season as a whole. But that's against most teams who know that if they allow us possession, we actually struggle to break down a low block. I don't think that Brentford are going to come to Ewood and and put themselves in a low block and, and just let us have the ball. That's not the way that I see it going at all on Friday. So it's going to be um, I don't think I think possession could be you know relatively close, maybe 54% to Brentford to um, over the course of the game, but it'll come in phases, it'll come in floors as, as football tends to do, and each side will have its um, you know time in possession, and then it's a, it's all about who gets the first goal in Blackburn games. If we concede the first goal, we've really struggled um, to be able to break teams down and get an equalizer and definitely go on and get a win, that's only happened once this season whereas when we've gone ahead, we, we we rarely lose. It's just a shame that against Swansea, we conceded so quickly afterwards, with which I thought was quite a soft penalty. I, don't think it, I didn't think it was a penalty, personally. Um, but it's typical Swansea to be able to get a penalty like that, so <laughs> you're probably expecting it. Um, but yeah, I think that's the way it'll go on Friday. Um, a bit of 50-50, really, um, but definitely a lot of pressing and probably quite a few mistakes um, from both sides, I imagine.
1: Yeah, just on the pen stuff. I thought um, uh, I thought um, Mark Gooey's foul on, on um, Brereton in like I think it was a second minute or something was actually more of a pen than <laughs> than the one that was. actually Did you? There.
2: That's funny because yeah, that's the way we all see it as well. But mm. you know, the championship refereeing standards aren't exactly being mm. held up uh, yeah, this season.
1: It's strange, isn't it? I think um, I think Fulton. There's a clear. There's a bit of a clash there. But I mean, he's just put himself in front of the ball quickly and just. Yeah, it's it's dubious but um I think Gooey's known what he's doing there and uh he's second for the ball he's coming from the wrong side and I don't know I did, I just didn't like that challenge so I think he's got very lucky there. And it's it's one that's hard to give but I think um it's more of a it's more of a foul and an intrusion into a movement than um than the other one for me but uh, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. do i know <laughs> what do i know so yeah i think um what's yeah we we're, we're going to see two back four systems come up against each other we're not going to see yeah. any of the wing backs or anything like that which no. have frustrated brentford recently but so that poses a different sort of game i think more sort of pairs and matches up and um 2v2s and i think it's really this is where you excelled in the previous game you you managed to get one of the four players out wide and to link and brentford are turning into a little bit they're not so they don't have as much um floating movement as we did when we had Ben Rama and Watkins. I think Tony stays central a bit more, Canos is a bit more obvious in his positioning out on the left and um and Burmo on the right and um we're not getting like uh we're not getting sort of overloads as well. We're not switching the ball from wing to wing as quite as effectively. We still do it but not as um, viciously as we did before. But you are still moving into wide areas quite well and I think we need to be wary of that. Um yeah so there's going to be some even matchups, I think especially in the midfield as well, there'll be a three that go up against each other and who can who can dominate that ball, but yeah, just I think um what we're talking about as well, why I think rovers should be much higher up in the table. it's quite interesting looking at some of the shot numbers I think um. Brentford and Rovers are similar in shots like 460 to 440. Um, Rovers just nudging it it looks like. Um, but then I think you can see the quality coming out of Brentford shots. I'm just looking at some of the numbers we've got like 0.13 for Brentford per XG per shot and Rovers were 0.11. So you can see a little bit of a a, a shot selection thing there and then the percentage of goals that Brentford have scored of those shots on target goals for, we're at 14% and you're down there at 10. And then again the shots the goal percentage of shots on target brentford are knocking around 41 percent, which just shows like the type of quality which we're we're not only creating but converting and rovers are down there on 29 so you can you can see in the attack where and why probably brentford are fighting at the top of the league and rovers a little bit further down and then defensively it comes out a little bit as well um you can see the 100 more shots than brentford which is quite a that's quite a hefty total but and this is where brentford are probably being punished and why they're not pushing norwich all the way i think a third of brentford's shots uh that we're conceding are on target of our 300 and you're conceding a quarter of your 400 on target so we're um our shots on target against xg per shot on target is about 0.13 again and yours is down 0.10 so there's you're doing better with those with those chances that come in against you so you're not you're not as like we're we're probably in a similar mark to Birmingham and Huddersfield for for what we're conceding which is bizarre for a team that dominates the ball so much and how well we do but when we do concede chances these are just good chances it it's it's just something that's the way this team's made up it's it can't it doesn't just concede poor chances when it does concede chances they're good and they're generally going in which is something we need to sort out and which we thought we did last season with Jansen and Pinnock but as that's been disrupted as a pair this year it's not quite it's not been quite as um, exceptional is there anything stand out for you like for Blackburn or Brentford that you've seen that um, perks your interest.
2: Um, I guess with shots, it's Adam Armstrong is the is the main reason for the vast majority of those shots. Yeah, Adam Armstrong was was massive on those shots. Uh, he's I think taken the most shots in the league by by some distance, and um, be since he's out of the team, I think we probably do create slightly better chances and the, the XG per shot will maybe increase without Adam Armstrong in it. I'm not criticising Armstrong at all. I think he's well within his rights to take those shots. He's a good finisher and uh he was the the kind of the the focal point of our team, and and it was his job to get those shots off. So uh, it's just interesting to see the difference with him in the team and without him in the team. It's uh, uh, approaching our attacks in a very different way.
1: Okay, yeah. I know we're tight for time, Andy, so we'll start to wrap up. Um, uh, who are you most fearful of for Brentford? And then instead of like a random score, how do you think this game's going to go?
2: I'm fearful of Jed Silver and Ivan Tony. I think most people will say Tony, but I think the Silver is. I think he's possibly the best midfielder in the league in what he does. Um, he's, I find him generally quite underrated. He's just silky smooth. Uh, he's got good ability around the box. He can pick passes. He can score goals. Um, I think we need to keep him on the wraps. And I also you know, enjoy the rest of your midfield dynamic, whether it's Janel or whoever it is who's going to be playing inside there with him. Um, Our midfield needs to be very strong and needs to be very mindful of of, of the way that you play your game in there. Um, Historically, obviously very concerned about the way that you play wide. Um, I'm not as big, a, I'm not as hot on Canas as I was on Rama. I think most people can agree with that. And Mbwemo and seems to have suffered a little, a little bit with the change in, in the way that you construct your attacks this season, but he's obviously a very dangerous individual player. And Avantoni, I think is what a fantastic piece of recruitment. Um, and I know that Joe Harvey, who gets his second mention on this uh, podcast, he actually doubted whether Tony would be able to replicate those kind of numbers, but he's done an exceptional job and, um, it's gonna be difficult to keep him quiet, but that's I think Lennon has, has really improved over the course of the season and between him and Harwood Bellis. Um, it's gonna be a really good physical battle up there.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a good battle. But um yeah, I second all those things. I think it's gonna be a really interesting game. Um, Andy, thanks so much for joining us. Um, do you wanna just give us a quick reminder of where we can find your you online?
2: Yeah, of course on Twitter is probably the best way at Andy Watson Sport. There's also a blog at Andy Watson Sport um, dot Something dot something else. so find me on Twitter because I can't remember what my blog's called. Um, but actually, no. If you just put Andy Watson Sport into Google, it'll it'll come up. dot uh, wordpress dot com. It is actually Andy Watson Sport dot wordpress dot com. So, um, those where you can find my articles. And obviously, check out Fiveyards dot uk as well, which has uh, got my fingerprints all over it. Unfortunately, for them. <laughs>
1: Andy's clean fingerprints all over it. But yeah, thanks a lot for joining <laughs> us. That's um been amazing. Uh yeah, for Bees Tactical again, search Bees Tactical wherever you search for stuff. Um there's the Substack, uh, there's the Patreon and um review the podcast so there's more. But um that leaves me to say thank you again to Andy and thank you for joining us.